fantasy and some flights. Exploring the realms of beer, board games, books, and bourbon. Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy and Some Flights podcast. I'm Nelson. I'm Dalton. I remember this time. Good job. <laughs> Thank you for letting me introduce myself. Yeah, exactly. And we're back in person, which is nice. It is. Um, yep. So we are, we're recording a board game episode. So we've had a couple of fireside episodes recently, yeah. and we're, we're hopping back into the board game episode. So tonight we yeah. are talking all about Scythe. All about Scythe. So Scythe by Stonemeyer Games. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about a lot recently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With Red Rising and yeah. I think I posted on Instagram or something, like because we played Red Rising, we played Wingspan, we played I think Red Rising again, like all in, and mm. then now Scythe, and, and it's just a lot all like <laughs> together. Like yeah. Stonemeyer Games is a fantastic company, so I'm not complaining by any means. But right. it's just kinda of funny how it all kind of lined up. Yeah. Uh, I guess I guess having them on a couple of episodes ago kind of kicked that off. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I'm excited to dive into Scythe, which was one of my not not like one of the first games that I played, but like one of the first games that I played a lot of. That was and got like, really into like the strategy of really and, into the strategy outside of yeah. like Dominion or something right. like that, right? Right. It was early on with like Terraforming Mars for us yeah. and some of those other games. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So I'm excited to talk about it. But yeah. before we do that, we are drinking. So we Dalton, what's on my flight tonight? Yeah, your flight tonight. This is exciting to get to go back to uh, you know introducing drinks to each yeah. other. It's been a little while. Um, so I had mentioned in like Fireside episode a couple of weeks ago um, that I wanted to share Whistle Pig Piggyback, um, their six-year rye. And so that's what we're drinking tonight, um, or you're drinking tonight. I'm, I'm drinking a beer, <laughs> which we'll talk about in a minute. So the bigger brother of it, the the Whistle Pig 10-year, was kind of like their flagship, and it got a ton of hype when it started coming out. It was featured on Breaking Bad. And it, oh, really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, there's like a close-up. I don't remember the episode, but I just know that there is a close-up of, oh, like cool. yeah, yeah. of the Whistle Pig-like bottle. And uh, it was it was like backed by, you know, like a big contestant on The Apprentice, apparently. And so it, it just had all this like publicity. <laughs> yeah. But it like, it very much backed up its name. And so um, this one, the sixth year, came out later, came out like semi-recently. It seems like, like it would have come out years. four years earlier. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's actually a good question. They are a good point. They um they are a company that is buying pre-made whiskeys and mixing them. Oh, okay. So yeah. they did not uh, bottle their own thing for 10 years. It's really difficult to start a company that way, yeah, right? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. To propose income 10 years down the road is a really <laughs> tough business case. Um, so they're actually purchasing from MWP, which is a really big distiller in Indiana that basically doesn't bot- doesn't bottle their own stuff they exist to sell barrels to other people and so they're buying uh, specific barrels and mixing it to get the profile that they want and so anyways this six-year one is made up of a couple of um, six-year batches um, it is a 100% rye whiskey um, it's super dark and so you can tell just like looking at it that it has a really strong oak char barreling you know in that it's picking up a lot of that kind of, of those dark charcoaly flavors it has overall i think a pretty grainy taste throughout um, not in like a bad way, but just like you are picking, it's a 100% rye and like you taste yep. it and you're like, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. I can tell. Um, it has some other like uh, subtler notes that I'll, uh, that I picked up on, but I'm curious to hear before we talk about that. I'm curious to hear what, what you are picking up and what your thoughts of it are. Yeah. I'm really enjoying it. I, I think it's good. I did water it back just a little bit because mm-hmm. you said it was about a hundred proof, right? So it's about yeah. a 50% alcohol content. Right. Just a little shy of that. Yeah. Yep. So it, 
it, it's it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, I I am the sucker for rye, <laughs> <laughs> and so so this is this is not one that is disappoint that that is disappointing me mm-hmm. whatsoever. I'm excited to try this, and then you did give me a bottle of the ten year, which we will try at some point at this some weekend. Point, yeah, so I I'm excited for that. Yeah, yeah, I think this one compared to the ten year, this one's going to be a little bit more maybe like unref- unfinished or unrefined. Like a little bit more of a bite? Type? Yeah, I think so. And just, uh, I would maybe you could describe it as like youthful and bold or something. Where, you know, like <laughs> yeah. it has, like it tastes good, but it yes. it can be maybe a little punchy. And I, I think I feel the water that. might kind of help yep. with that, uh, which is why I'd suggested that you might try it with that. It has like some vanilla and like some things that'll, in the body that are like familiar and that are kind of yielding to like some black pepper and some grainy spices. I did like the finish. It's not like an overly long last it lasts like just long enough you know it doesn't yeah like overstay its welcome yep, yep. um I feel, yeah i definitely feel that where it's like I, you know i take a sip and it's right there it's like okay cool that, w- that was good yes I, there's no there, it, the burn doesn't linger or anything like that which right. is nice right so if it's something that you're wanting to try in the like 10 years a little bit out of your price point i think this is a good a nice like step up that's you know a nicer uh rye bottle that's not like totally breaking the bank so yeah, it's it's definitely better than that Texas 100 or whatever, <laughs> whatever I bought that the one Bardstown, time. I think, or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oof. Ooh. Which okay. is actually a very we talk we joke about Bardstown a lot. They have a lot of other stuff. And it's actually a very good distillery, but just the one that we had, we did, yeah. we did not enjoy. Yeah. But what about a Cheers rating? We haven't done a Cheers in a little Ooh, while. Ooh. Okay. So this is going to be for me probably a three Cheers. Yeah. Yep. I I think that we could get to that four Cheers category again. I'm still super new in in my whiskey tasting career, mm-hmm. but it's, it's definitely something that I, I would, I would always enjoy tasting. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily know if I always need a bottle at the house right. type type thing, but, but you're I, willing to buy and try. I'm willing definitely to buy and try. Yeah. And I highly recommend it. I, I would recommend this to anybody that, that wanted to go out and, yeah. and try it. So awesome. Glad you like it. What about me? What am I drinking? So you are drinking a Belgian style wheat ale tonight. Mm-hmm. This is called the Wit Bellied Hedgehog, and I had to type this into my notes like four different times because like <laughs> White Bellied Hedgehog is a thing, <laughs> and like I just like for whatever reason when I was looking and I was like typing it all up, I was like, it has to be white, and then I like <laughs> look back at the can, was like that's it's not, and I like I don't know, it was just it was messing with me, but it's yeah. Wit Bellied Hedgehog yeah. by uh, Metazoa Brewing Company. And so the Belgian style wheat ale, you're going to get a creamy type of mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. And in this one specifically, there's uh, they added like an orange peel flavoring as mm-hmm. well as some coriander yeah. to, to kind of give it a subtle like uh, contrast there. That's okay. Coriander. I was like, I get the orange and I was really, there was something I was having trouble describing and yeah, coriander. Okay. Oh, I got it. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm so you glad go. you said that. <laughs> yep. Belgian style wheat ales are, are going to be kind of easy to drink mm-hmm, right so sure. it's going to be pretty smooth it's not going to be super bitter like this one has a uh a 18 ibu so very low on the ibu For you're sure. not gonna it's not an ipa type thing even though it is an ale this one is a mid-range alcohol content 5.4 percent so mm-hmm. um it is a pint it's not <laughs> it's yeah. not some of those like small can things um the srm is about an eight so you're gonna it's it's a light it mm-hmm. When you look at it, you're like, that is an ale, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's very and much specifically. An ale. It's like that's a summer ale. Yep, yep, yeah. absolutely. So yeah, that that's the wit bellied hedgehog, which again I bought specifically off of the name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Had a picture of a cute hedgehog in the front. It's adorable. Yeah, it's adorable. But so so that is what you are drinking. Mm-hmm. 
What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, so first of all, I really like Belgians just in general. They're a great, for me, like go-to, like you said, creamy, easy drinking. I love that this one already has like an orange flavor forward um, because... Like even like Blue Moon and some other ones, like it, you know, they'll show it with an orange, right? That's that's a common flavor for yeah. a Belgian, um, with an orange peel. With you an got, orange peel that's yeah. how you have to drink it. Yep, exactly, exactly. It uh, it has sort of like a like a yeasty taste, almost like sort of like 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 bready, you know, banana bready. Yep. Or it just kind of like gives you some feelings of like those those kind of flavors. Yeah, it it's getting into kind of like that. It's starting to feel more substantive than just a drink. Like you're mm-hmm. you're starting to like chew it <laughs> yeah yeah that's right? a good point yeah that's a good way to put it so yeah i'm very i'm very much enjoying this like i said belgians are right up my alley um i would drink this all day on a summer you know on a hot summer <laughs> good day. luck so, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah this is this is a probably a three cheers for me i'm really okay, enjoying good. it nice okay cool two three cheers i i'm liking it i know yeah, yeah on our first time back <laughs> in a couple of weeks so perfect for a couple months even yep I, I saw that one i i like the name I, I knew that you did like the belgians so yeah. I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying you're it. looking out for me i appreciate that i appreciate I'll, that i'll bring you an ipa at some point and just <laughs> I'll, I'll just give you an it's name. okay that you're allowed to <laughs> <laughs> all right so we we have done a couple of fireside episodes recently and we do think that we have a lot to cover with the scythe breakdown so we're gonna hop straight into the icebreaker answers from our previous fireside episode yeah. that we posted on instagram basically the, the question was is what board game mechanisms do you want to see utilized in different board games mm-hmm. and so we we had some answers on our icebreaker on, on our fireside episode a couple of or last week mm-hmm. and so we we posted that so we're gonna hop straight into that and then we'll get into our scythe breakdown yeah and so we posted this on Instagram. We'll just kind of run through these. I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on some of okay. these. So, so Swoozle, um, he actually, he said he's going to cheat. He gave us three. <laughs> so we'll start <laughs> off strong. Yep. The, the first one, I 100% wholeheartedly agree. Do you have any guesses? I do not. Okay. Off the bat. Rondell. <laughs> Rondell. Nice. Yep. So yeah. he, he said he wants more Rondells, which yeah. I can get behind that one. Yep. The next one he said was simultaneous action selection. Okay. Which I, I thought was interesting. I think of like Gloomhaven is the one that pops into my mind, right? Okay. Like everyone's choosing their actions for the round yeah. uh, without, you know, knowledge of other people's actions. Yeah. Game of Thrones comes to mind for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Yep. Yeah. And then the- I uh, do love that mechanic. Yes. It, it's interesting. It has both elements of strategic and tactical decisions, right? Yeah. And then the uh, the last one is action retrieval. Um, so I think, I'm thinking of Zulkin. Okay. Right. When you when you place a worker and then you're you have to wait for the workers to age and you get a benefit when you pull them back. Um, I may be incorrect on that. So <laughs> so that that's really the only one I could think about. Can you think of an action retrieval? I guess like when I hear that phrase, what comes to mind is just like I don't know, retrieving a card to your you know. Uh, yeah. Okay. Re- like a Spirit Island, like re- recovering oh, cards yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah. But I, I don't know that. I don't think that's what he meant. Okay. Um. Yeah. So I don't, I don't, I'm not dying for games where I can pick my cards back up out of a <laughs> yeah. discard pile, you know? So that's why I think I'm not interpreting that correctly. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, Gloomhaven has that. I just want to pick up my hands and get all the, right. <laughs> get all the cards back. Right. Yep. So game casters, uh, they were the next one. They said they wanted more dynamic player boards. So things like Terra Mystica mm. or Scythe, which we're talking about, basically things that where you can upgrade the actions on your boards or upgrade, oh, yeah. upgrade that. So Gaia Project or uh, Mara Kaibo has that mm-hmm. um, in it. And so I, I, I love this mechanism. I think uh, it was kind of popularized by 
Hansa Teutonica, mm-hmm. which we we played one time. Yeah, at, we did. One yeah, of our, one of our yeah. I think that I think that was one of the first ones out there. Okay, and then probably Terra Mystica, and I know Scythe is heavily influenced by Terra Mystica. Yeah, but so that one's fun. Uh, seventh Steven said he had two. He has said customizable boards, and so I I tried to message him. I never got a response. But okay. He, I, I'm thinking of two categories. So I'm thinking of like a Gaia project. I'm loving this icebreaker, by the way, just that we have to interpret what people yeah. mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's half the fun. Yep. So I'm thinking of like a Gaia project or something similar to like that where the board is different. You can build out and the board changes based uh-huh. on the setup. Yeah. Or something like Taverns of Tiefenthal, which I think is probably what he's talking about because like the, the modular boards are all over the place. And so if this mm-hmm. is an underutilized mechanic, like Taverns mm-hmm. of Tiefenthal, like you're upgrading your personal board, like you're flipping things over to get yourselves more actions to change your dice or something like that. Right. But I I really like at least the mechanisms in Taverns. Yeah. I, I think that's really cool. I could For see sure. that utilized in more games. For sure. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. The more I think about Taverns, the more I think it's just a really well-designed game. Yeah. Like, yeah. It well, comes up a lot on, we recommended <laughs> it and everything, yep. but um, it's just, it's solid. It's yeah. very sound mechanically. Yeah. And then his other ones was uh, more single player versions of multiplayer games. Sure. Yep. And so I'm taking this more as like, there are single player variants, but what I'm wondering is if you, I can't think of a single-player version, uh, but I think oh, of yeah. like Seven Wonders Duel as a two-player version of Seven Wonders. Gotcha. And so I'm wondering if that's what he's thinking yeah. about, yeah. Like taking a game and making it... So you're not like... It's not a variant. You're not mm-hmm. like compromising on some of the experience based... Like boiling it down to one player, which not all games do that, but a lot of them do Yeah. when you move to the solo experience, but... Maybe something like that. I thought that was, I thought that was a really interesting idea. That is an interesting idea. I mean, you can think of the difference between um, Seven Wonders two-player variant versus Seven Wonders duel, right? There's an enormous yes. difference in quality <laughs> of your experience. Oh, absolutely. Those two things. Absolutely. The two-player variant is awful. Played it once, never again. Yeah, it's <laughs> the worst. Yeah, played it once, bought duel. Yeah, bought duel. Um, <laughs> so, you know, if that uh, trend continued to one-player variants versus one-player, like, actual versions, that, you know, it could make a big difference. Oh, absolutely. Uh, next up, we have Sheer Boredom. Yep. Yep. So, uh, yep, Mr. Yep. Roberto, mm-hmm. he said dice spinning. And I think this is because the, uh, the the story that I posted it on had a video of a dice spinning. Okay. So, <laughs> I, th- I think that's where that's coming from. But I would Different be, than rolling. <laughs> yes. But I would be all for a game that requires you to spin dice. I would... I would yeah. be on that. So, yeah. <laughs> so if it, it falls, like rules about if it falls off, it's basically becomes a dex- dexterity game. Oh right? yes, if it falls off the table, something bad happens. If yours spins the longest, something good happens. You know, like that. I'm down for that. In addition to what actually the roll value yes. is. Yes, I yes, please more. Yeah. Oh, it could be like Beyblades, but with dice. <laughs> oh, that'd be so cool. <laughs> a little arena, you whack into other dice. <laughs> that'd be awesome. Uh, <laughs> yes, Amram. He said the Abyss Bidding River mechanics. Have you played Abyss? I don't think I've played Abyss. Okay. So Abyss is kind of like a... I feel like I should have. I hear about it all the time. Yeah, it's a good game. I've just missed it. Yeah, it's a good game. I I don't know how to describe it. It, It's a filler. It's not a filler. It's kind of like a lightweight big game. I don't don't know. Okay. It's by Bruno Cathala who did Five Tribes. So so that kind of realm of game. Gotcha. It's not like a heavy game. It's not... 
a, a midweight euro or anything like that. But right. the uh, the drafting mechanism is pretty cool. So you have this currency in the game, which are your pearls, and and these can be used to uh, to do a variety of different things. But what you need to do in in Abyss is on your turn, you're basically it's kind of like a push your luck mechanism. Okay. And you're flipping up these followers to draft, and you use the followers to buy like council seats. I I don't quite remember the theming, so sure. sorry. But you're you're basically buying powerful cards that give you actions or special abilities or something with these cards that you're flipping up. Okay. And so you're flipping up this card. When you flip up the card, you have to offer it to the person on your left. Okay. And they have a chance to buy it first. If they say no, then it goes to the next person. They say they can choose to buy it or pass okay and the cards are you know it's a deck of four different suits and it's numbered one through four i believe okay so like a four is rare but very good okay and then if you want it you have the option to buy it for free um and then in your turn if someone wants to buy it they then have to pay you the pearls which is the currency in the game Mm. and so the first card bought in the round is one the second card is two then three so what you're doing is you're kind of pushing your luck if you flip up a really good card it may get bought up by someone which is nice but then they have a really good card that they got on your turn but then depending on how many you flip up before you take then they go into these piles and people can then take piles and so the more you flip up the more appealing the selection is for the next player because they can just take hey there are six reds in this pile i'm just gonna take it yeah okay so okay but yeah no i i really like that mechanism i think that's a really good choice from amram because it's on your turn you don't have you have last dibs you don't have first dibs on the Mm -hmm. uh on on the card the person to your left does so and it sounds like that mechanic could be isolated out of the game and in you know, imposed on any game that either has like a river yeah. type system or any really any type of dra- drafting type system. It's just a different way to do it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that sounds probably less dependent on just luck of the draw than some of the like river and some of the drafting systems can be. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I would, I would like to see I'd that playing one like more. terraforming Mars done that way or something. Oh, like yeah. That, you know? That'd be interesting. Yeah. yeah. It would take forever. It but... would take forever. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe like a. a you know, you only have to get oxygen to X. <laughs> right, <laughs> like three. exactly. Yeah, like three. You'll be fine. Yeah. Um, Pots McGee. Um, this is my favorite one on the list. He said anything and everything that Candyland does. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, yes, I would I would love more flip and move games. Um, that Because that just speaks to my heart. Games in quotation. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Dark Key One said Antiquity, which is a game on my shelf of shame that mm. I have not played. But in antiquity, you choose your own win condition. Oh, okay. And so, the, which is just really cool, that right? Is, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so, um, I, I would love to do that, and I would love to play that game someday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then finally, Mike, he said uh, anything with a stock market. So, Ch- eighteen yep. Chesapeake or or anything like that. Yeah. I'm, we gave Mike the bug. Yes. With yes, the stock market I, yes. games, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Economic games are amazing, and that's all I have to say about that. So those were the uh, those were the responses on the Instagram post. Uh, thank you for all of those participating. Great answers for if, sure. If we misinterpreted your uh, your mechanic, please let us know, yeah. and, and we will issue a full apology. Yes, a video apology. Wow, you're gonna commit to that? No, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's, we'll, we'll give you. A who's shout gonna out. hold me accountable to that? <laughs> so we got some good. Uh, good ideas there for um game night like yeah. this would be a good game night game yes 
yeah antiquity potentially could be a good game night i i uh, yeah antiquity's been on my shelf for a long time yeah i wanted to play it and then like i don't know things just got busy and it Mm -hmm. just seems like such a big game like i think it was i don't know if i ever said on the podcast but like i think in that box there's like 1700 chits or something like that. Oh, I do remember talking about this game. (laughs) It's like, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot to learn. Yeah. (laughs) But love to play it sometimes. So, (laughs) so if you know how to play it and you want to teach me, please, please, please. Yeah. Uh, All righty. You want to dive in, talk about Scythe a little bit? Let's talk about Scythe. Yeah. So, a couple of Fireside episodes ago, we got an icebreaker submitted by Tucker, um, who's, who, Gave us the icebreaker that was give me five games so that I can warm up to Food Chain Magnate, mm-hmm. which is which is a really heavy economic game, and so five kind of stepping stones, and so we really enjoyed working through that, and so what we're gonna do here to start out our scythe discussion is to kind of maybe maybe not five, but like a mm-hmm. couple of games that are gonna kind of stepstone into scythe yeah. to kind of give you a feel for some of the mechanics, maybe boiled down into a gateway game or something like that. Mm-hmm. Scythe is significantly less complex than a food chain magnate. Yeah. Uh, so so I'm excited to see where this goes. Um, I'm going to go ahead and do the, the first game. Okay. Um, I'm going to choose Splendor. So mm-hmm. Splendor is, is a great gateway game that teaches players resource management. Mm-hmm. So both in Scythe and Splendor, you're getting resources to grab powerful actions. So in Splendor, you're getting these like mines or things that give you like ongoing effects mm-hmm. trying to get you nobles and in scythe you know i need to get two food to enlist my recruit that gives me a bonus yeah and so trying to understand and kind of look out and foresee what you're going to need to give you a benefit later down the road yeah so sounds good so that's that's kind of like my my one of one of my picks one of my stepping stones to get to scythe what, what, what what's one of yours okay so for for me next let's see i would i'm going to go with el grande um, okay. Which is a very early, maybe the earliest area control game. I think that's what we said in the area control. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it at least the feels big. that way. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and and so calling on to that because there is uh, there is a combat mechanic in Scythe. And El Grande doesn't have combat quite, but it has the feeling of like, okay, what territories am I am I strong in? And, and it gives you the ability to kind of move around the map a little bit. You don't have to be quite so like limited to where you are like some area control games. Um, and like some combat games. And so just kind of starting to teach in a basic way, that feeling of like watching where other people are strong and where there's maybe a weakness to, you know, to kind of flow into. Oh yeah. No, I, I like that. That's a good pick. So, uh, another one that I think would be good would be wingspan, which is another stone Meyer game. Mm. So just basically we're just trying to get sponsored by stone Meyer at this point. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, uh, wingspan I think is, is a good one because it provides an action selection mechanism. Yeah. And it also kind of gives a feel of an upgraded action. So mm. a, as you're choosing one of your three rows in wingspans, you get to activate your birds in that row. Yeah. You only get to choose one of them, which is the exact same thing in Scythe. You choose one action and then throughout the game in Scythe, you can upgrade your actions by, literally the upgrade action you can build buildings which is going to give you a benefit or if you've enlisted it's going to give you a benefit when you kind of or when you perform the bottom row action Mm -hmm. and so making those actions and when you can choose those i think wingspan is a good stepping stone into that a little bit more in-depth action selection that scythe provides yeah for sure and i think that's the main like kind of getting back to the icebreaker that's one of the key unique mechanisms from site that we really wanted to see other games yeah. start to kind of re 
implement more of, right? And so there's, it's impressive that you found a game to teach that because like, <laughs> that's what we said we wanted more of because there aren't yep. a lot that that are doing that. So, um, I think the only other thing that I could think of that I would maybe want to have covered is kind of the feeling of like the matrix scoring that Ooh, yeah. Scythe okay. accomplishes, yep. right? So. I mean, I can think of like very simple, like maybe even just King Domino, like some very similar, yeah, King simple, a good one, yeah. like games that emulate that scoring style. Is there any others that you can think of? Maybe even one that's a higher complexity than than King Domino, because I think the real key here is balancing. You know, okay, where am I at on the Y axis so that I score so many <laughs> points on the X axis, yep. kind of thing. Yeah, that popularity track in Scythe is critical. It kills you. <laughs> yes, if so, you're not ready for it. Um, so I, I think King Domino is a, is a really good option there right you need uh-huh. more crowns and right. th- understanding the impact that adding one crown versus a double tile makes mm-hmm. is, is huge yeah right and just uh figuring out that 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 cost benefit curve i'm trying to think of a of a heavier game which may not be a stepping stone but i'm trying to right. think of a heavier game that implements something similar to that yeah what about like um like just carcassonne you know I mean, I guess that has more of like it has more of a point soup kind of thing going. Yeah, on. Yeah, I, I can see Carcassonne. There's like a couple at least that are gonna have a similar feel. Just it's gonna be a bit of a stretch. Maybe. Yeah, Carcassonne kind of has it with, especially with like the inns and cathedrals expansion. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, where like your roads get better if you put an inn on it, mm-hmm. or like your your cities get better if you add more crests to them, and so that that kind of you know it makes a two city with two crest significantly more of a, I don't think that's a valid combination, but whatever <laughs> <laughs> more valuable than a, um, a three city with no crest. Right. So, right. uh, so kind of understanding that math, uh, man, I, I am, I'm struggling to think of something, which I think is kind of interesting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So maybe what that means is that the three that we kind of initially recommended though, that would be kind of like the core path. And then if you were trying to introduce someone new, you might just have to, Think about some of these other like uh, lower complexity games, like we're saying King Domino or, or Carcassonne or something like that, to try and introduce and understand how exactly the the scoring mechanism is gonna is gonna play out in Scythe. All right, yeah, I yeah, I think th- those are great options to get get you to Scythe. Yeah. So I I don't necessarily know if we need to do kind of like a rules breakdown uh, of Scythe, but yeah, I think the episode like other breakdown episodes will kind of assume that you have a basic knowledge of the rules. Um, so what we're trying to do here is we're trying to, you know, take an, an amateur or a novice player, maybe someone who has played a played a game or two, or maybe has just read the rules and watched a video and is looking to play their first game and be competitive in it. Crush their friends into the dirt right. type. <laughs> right. Um, and take you into somebody who can um, who can play well and, and play competitively, um, but you're not going to be like competition ready. Like we, Man, we're I, not competitive. We're not competition, <laughs> you know, competitors in, yeah. in this specific board game. Yeah. So. I'm really excited to listen to this episode then. Yeah. Because I am ready to so become much. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess maybe we should, um, we should have like in, in the breakdown, like in the title, it should have like a little asterisk and then it should list like, here's our actual win percentage yeah. <laughs> for this game. It's not real high. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I am a little disappointed. So I, we've played a lot more games than what I have tracked on my app, uh-huh. but I dropped my first two-player game last night. Oh, wow. Oh, I was so sad, <laughs> which, uh, yeah, whatever. I'm not bitter. You're bitter. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, my wife played amazing. You have definitely played a lot more Scythe than I have, 
for that reason that you've uh, you you own it and you've you've played um, through the Fen- Rise of Fenris campaign and you've played um, just introduced this game to a lot of people. So I'd like to hear, I guess, your thoughts just like starting out, like when we start to frame up this discussion of like how to be good at Scythe, what are some, I guess, just what are some things that right off the bat kind of come to mind, just categories of things that we're going to have to talk through tonight? So Scythe, Scythe is really interesting because you get a both a faction and a player board, and those are randomized at the start of the game. Mm-hmm. And those will heavily dictate your strategy. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're you're starting with your player board, which has a special ability. And then as you unlock mechs, you get more special abilities. And mm-hmm. so one of the things that you're looking for and what you need to do in order to be successful in Scythe is to play into those strings. Mm-hmm. And also when you're looking at your player board, one of the things that changed the game for me is... Uh, when you're looking at what six stars you're going to be placing throughout the game, I I always shoot for six because that's what ends the game. I assume that, yeah, I, I like to play the game like I'm assuming I'm ending the game. That no, that does not always happen, <laughs> but like uh, that's how you should be thinking about it. Yeah, most of the boards have a action that gives you three coins, which translates into three victory points. Mm-hmm. Uh, as as a bottom row action, each mm-hmm. one of the four. Each bottom time you row, take the bottom row. Action, each time yeah. you take the bottom row action. I always will strive to get a get a star from that bottom row action. The one that has the three. That has the three coins. So so that is something that I kind of want to talk through is just like the bottom row actions and how to pair those. Mm-hmm. But if you get a star from the three coin versus the star from the zero coin, that is probably, unless it's upgrade, 12 more victory points. Yeah. If it's upgrade, then it's 16 more victory points than if you had gotten the yep. zero point star. And do you have data on just feeling for what winning scores tend to be, like kind of just the ranges that they're in? It's kind of varied. Um, I, I think it's kind of varied, especially because there there are strategies where you can rush the game, and rushing the game doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to win the game. Like, right. I lost last night, and I placed six stars. My wife placed three, and I lost. Right, yeah. so that that does not mean that you're going to win if you if you place all the stars. I th- typically think of a winning score as sixty to a hundred, uh-huh. um, but that is also very varied, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> so I think if you're if you score over a hundred, you probably will win that game. Yeah, right. It's mm-hmm. yeah, you've so, done very well. <laughs> you've done very very well. Yeah. But it's helpful when you talk through like, okay, I'm scoring 12 more victory points over the course of the game. Like how much is that? And then you can hear like, okay, if I'm shooting for, let's say 80, just kind of the middle of that range that you talked about, that's like roughly one seventh of your score. Um, And there's not a ton of areas and ways to score victory points in this game. I think there are only five. I think there are five. One of which is barely a <laughs> category at all if you talk about like the structures yes, bonus or yeah. whatever i i think of mostly you're gonna get points from stars uh you're gonna get points from the area you control and those are gonna be dictated by your popularity and then you're gonna have like some amount of just coins at the end of the game that you accumulated right those are kind of the big three in my mind yep and then the the, the last one that we haven't mentioned yet is just having extra resources on the board that you yeah. control I don't ever, I don't try and score that. Right. Like, I, I see that if I score that, I was probably playing inefficiently. Yeah. And there are times like towards the end of the game where like it's going to be your most efficient action to just produce and yep. make some, like it happens. <laughs> it know? happens, yep. But, um, but typically you're not intentionally scoring lots of points from that. Right. You asked me about the final score. I, 
I try and shoot for that. I think it's also pretty hard to c- try and calculate your final score it at is. the end of the game, right? Um, I, I hardly ever know what my score is going to be before I count it up when mm-hmm. the game after the game is over. But one of the things that I look for is I expect the game to last about 18 to 25 rounds. Okay. Um, so 18 is quick. There are a couple of banned factions that can do it in 12 or 14 rounds. Yeah. Or banned faction, faction player mat combinations. Yes, sorry. Yeah. But I, I try and shoot. I'm like, I have 20 turns in this game. How can I get six stars in 20 turns? That's how I'm thinking about the game. Yeah. Definitely want to try and optimize and get the star from your four or three coin. I was uh-huh. saying four because my last one was on mech and I enlisted. So I was getting four coins nice. for, for each mech. So I think my math that I said earlier was wrong. So I think that that's something that I'm looking for. And I think like it kind of, it, it's an obvious statement, but I think the last not the last thing that I wanted to talk about, but the last big thing that I, I look at when I'm sitting down at the table is mapping out where my six stars are going to come from. Yeah. And so you're dealt two objectives. Do you think that I'm going to like, I look at my objectives and there are games where I'm like, I am not going to score one of these. Huh? It's not worth it to, for me to go out of my way to get this objective. Yeah. Right. I had an objective last night or last time I played that was have nine resources, one of each type on one tile. It's like, I lose the game if I go after that objective, right? Like, I, I, it's like I get a star, but it's like I can paint a big old target. For one. I, yeah, I could one. Yeah, exactly. And also, too, if I have nine resources sitting around, that is waste, right? Yeah, that's float. I yeah, exactly. I I have been raised in a lean manufacturing setting, right? <laughs> and that is not good to carry that much inventory for sure. You want your inventory turns to be low in both manufacturing and in scythe. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Okay, so th- I think this is a really good place to start then. So let's say that, uh, you know, I'm going to sit down at the game board. I'm looking at my faction player map combination, and I'm trying to map out which six stars I'm going to get, right? I should probably assume that I'm going to get, like, just, well, let's talk about just real quick, reminder of the distribution of the stars. So there are eight types of stars, right? The first four are just the four bottom actions, just completing yep. the, fir- the four bottom actions. Um, and then you have putting all eight workers on the board. Yep. You have completing an objective, you have two stars for winning combats, and then you have popularity and power. Yep. So there's ten. I think I said there was eight. There, there's nine. There's ten total. Ca- there's ten total spots to play stars. There's nine different actions or nine different things. That That's play right. Stars. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, I've already lied to you. But anyways, <laughs> there's ten possible stars, yes. um, and you're looking to get six of them. We've already said you you are uh, likely shooting to pick up the one that has three coins. If you can't, or maybe you don't want to, you're probably shooting for the one that has two. Yep. How many of the bottom row action stars do you usually account for? I usually shoot for three. Three of the four, three, then. Three of the four. Okay. And so, if you can score an objective, that is very good. I do not necessarily go more than two turns out of my way to score an objective. Uh-huh. If I can easily do it in my normal course of actions, I'll count that as one star. Yeah. I'd never score the popularity star. I yeah 18 popularity there is no difference in that track once you've hit that third tier to raise yourself up to the 18 popularity right it's an additional like five or six popularity to get there which are right which is dead space it's dead space and it's so hard to do it's so hard to do it's a really expensive star to like getting to the third tier popularity is awesome yes right but getting the star is an enormous investment and usually not worth your resources and time yep so I think so that one's out yeah I've played a lot of scythe yeah. um yeah I, I have seen the popularity star obtained once. Okay. And that was in my first game. 
by yeah. me because I was like, that seems like a cool track to go up. Yeah. And I spent the entire game trying to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I lost, but, but I, but I did it. So kind of, kind of looking at it, I think the producing all of your farmers is a really easy star to get. Uh-huh. What you have to be careful with here is the production has some weird math because you produce one more worker for each worker you have on the worker space. That was mm-hmm. probably a very incorrect sentence grammatically (laughs) but um but like so i like to pair this with like trying to drop four workers in a turn because if you can do that then you're no longer paying popularity you don't pay popularity or money to drop those yeah so i'm trying to optimize that so that i'm not overpaying for uh production i i don't like to get this star until i think that i have I have enough resources to pay for my other bottom row actions for the rest of the game, or I can trade my way into those. Okay. Um, so I like to have three workers on that, only paying the bolster, which is a minor cost. If you're paying popularity to produce, that is a steep cost. So I don't like to get more than three workers out there. Mm-hmm. And then once you put for that a total fourth, of five workers, for a total now. of five workers, and once yeah. you put that fourth worker out there you have to pay a popularity every time you produce and so i'm looking to try and drop three workers in that last production action to get the way yeah the other reason that that works out pretty nicely is if you put a single worker on a village you the first time you produce it will produce one additional villager right Um, now you'll have two there one you have a total of three workers two of which are currently on the village if you produce there one more time they will draw off the other two so now you have produced three yep total and that's kind of that magic number of five that we're talking about and 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 so this is interesting because i think now you have three on the village you could just go ahead and produce then and get all eight deployed and there are specifically like rust Fiat wants to do that they have some benefits to having all of their workers out right so yep um it, for them it actually can be a strategy to just dump all their workers at the start of the game um for you what i'm hearing you say is you kind of prefer if you feel like you're going to end up getting the worker star you would prefer instead of doing that and dumping them all at the beginning of the game you would rather get the five out total move them around and then later come back and put three on a village and produce there to get the star at the very end of the game basically yes i don't necessarily know if it's a bad strategy i just personally hate overproduction Mm -hmm. (laughs) so like if i know and this is i will do this when i'm playing the game so if i'm looking at this and i've upgraded my food and it's only going to take me two food to produce or to enlist the rest of the game and i have two enlists left i will i i hate producing five food yeah right because then i have a floating resource which is just annoying yeah and so i i i try and set up the board state to move my workers around mainly utilizing mechs i think that's the best way to move your workers yeah, 100%, 100%. around 100 um so so that i am producing exactly how much oil steel wood or food that i need to optimize my next mm-hmm. couple stars mm-hmm. and then i will drop off or I, i'll move a mech to um a, a village which will get th- at least three workers on that village my next production action will give me that star and then i have a mech to carry uh Mm-hmm. five right i want to leave one there to claim that territory but then that mech can carry five off into yeah at that point you're probably the in the late game you're just trying to take territory yes yeah um which which is a nice way to set it up because if you have a mech there they can drop them off on the way and i assume you have speed right, right. so right you, you'll be able to just kind of like run around the map and have fun <laughs> yeah. yeah i think the other thing that's really important here to to key in on 
is okay in my strategy i'm going to plan out the start relatively early in the game am i going to have five workers out or am i going to have all eight yeah if you have five um you're basically planning i'm going to have two workers on one type of resource and three workers on the other and the reason for that is so that when you produce you are going to produce two resources of one type three resources of another type and those are the bottom actions that you you need to be using those to pay for bottom actions, right? So you're going to yep. target your upgrades to complement that, right? Because you're basically saying, I'm going to have a two and a three coming out of my five workers. And that's going to help pay for bottom actions that I want to be taking. If I am have eight workers out, then probably two, three, three would be like the best way to go, right? So that I can produce once. I'm, yeah, I'm going to pay that expensive money and popularity, which I don't want to pay. But now I have three bottom actions in a row because I produced all eight resources, right? Yeah, I, I really struggle producing when you have all of your workers out because you're producing so much and you're so you're, you're spread so thin at that point. Mm -hmm. You have to have a lot of mechs to protect your workers or else someone's going to come in and steal those resources that you just produced. Yeah. Right. So I, I, I'm a big fan of capitalizing on the five, uh, the five workers and kind mm -hmm. of going rolling with that and then dropping yeah. your three at the end if you can it does feel very natural like yeah. when you when you try it out the first time you're like okay this feels like maybe the the way that the game is maybe not intended or built to be played but the, just kind of the way that the game comes together and then i think there are strategies again that you can try with the eight workers thing yeah um, but give the five workers a try and just see, make sure and see if that's giving you kind of what you need and i think <laughs> for the most part it, you'll find that it, it probably does also it just hurts so much to pay popularity to produce like yeah. at, that, at that point, I'd probably just rather trade. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the key though is like you're, if you are at that point where you have eight workers out, you're hoping to only produce like two, maybe three times over the rest yep. of the game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So you're, yep. you're paying, I think that can also be a good strategy if you do not plan to get the bottom action of the produce action, right? So yep. whatever produce is paired with, if you plan, if produce is paired with mech because you have like industrial or something as your player mat. You're like, I'm going to put all four mechs out. I'm going to be producing all the time. I don't need eight workers. Yeah. Right. I can run with my five and that's good. If it's paired with like build or something and you're like, I don't really see myself building in this game. Yep. You might consider dumping all eight so that you only have to take that action like twice over the course of the game. And it's going to give you, you know, it's going to give you two oil, three steel and three food. And you're like, I can do everything that I want to do yeah. the rest of the game. I'm going to have trade in one of these actions, right? Because I... I know that it's not the produce action. So trade is going to be on one of these other three I'm trying to get, and I can supplement my income with whatever I need. And so just things to think about as you're kind of like setting yourself up at the start of the game. Yeah. Um, we've digressed a little bit from stars. Though. Let's get back <laughs> okay, to stars. Yeah, yeah. Um, so where we left off, we were talking about popularity. We said not popularity. Nope. So what are some other stars that you target? Most always target the three cost star. Mm -hmm. Don't target the popularity. If you mm -hmm. can get an objective by your normal course of action, including your other five stars, go for that objective. Don't go more up more than two turns out of your way to get that yeah and i hate the resources <laughs> the, the resources objectives i just don't like those yeah farmers are good um no. i think bolster is an interesting one especially yeah. if you can like rush if, you, if you're starting with like a five uh a bolster so like maybe crimea or mm -hmm. um i think albion starts with like four or something like that uh -huh. and you you need to get to an 18 so that that can get you up there it kind mm -hmm. of at this point, you're kind of trying to optimize your board pairing with your faction. Right. One one of the things that is going to heavily dictate what stars you're going to do is you're opening. Uh, I think we kind of call them peninsulas. So, mm -hmm. subtracting the expansion factions, each each one of your starting five factions has a peninsula of three different resources, mm -hmm. and uh, usually that is a steel, 
a not a farm uh village village villages that, are very common villages are very common and then a another resource yeah. and so you're probably going to get your mech star because steel is right there uh-huh. whatever that third resource is on your peninsula you'll mm-hmm. probably grab that star just because it's easy to produce that in the early game right and, and grab yeah, it's a good those. thing to target yeah yep i so i really like the bolster star and the reason that i like it I think it does take a little bit of planning. I think you either need to be like upgrading your bolster action so that you are like getting three um, instead of two, you know, um, with a single action. And again, if that's paired on something, another star that you want to get, then it's that's a really good thing to just think about. Like, oh, maybe I want to upgrade that early and just kind of go for that star. Another one that can really be helpful is if you are enlisting into um, the upgrade. If you're first of all, I guess if you're just planning on the enlist. Um, star anyway, um, which I, I think is a good thing to do. And we'll, we'll wrap back yeah. around to those bottom actions and, and which ones are good to target. But if you're doing that and you know you're, you're yourself and your opponents are going to pick up a handful of upgrades, like, you know, that's going to maybe get you something like six to eight or even nine of the 16 that you need, like roughly half of the ones that you need just for free. And you don't even have to do anything but enlist the one time, right? Plus the two bolster that you can get from just the enlistment bonus, right? So a lot of it can be picked up even without just taking a, a ton of actions. Um, but the real reason that I like it is unlike the popularity star that we talked about where um, you get the, you spend a lot of time getting up to this high value and then you get nothing out of it um, besides the star. Now that you have spent the early game building up your bolster you can spend your and getting the star, you can spend the late game winning combats and turning it into other stars, right? Nobody wants yeah. to find the, fight the guy <laughs> who has 16. Yes. Bolt, right? Because it's like, he's just going to dump seven in this attack. Like, I don't yep. want to fight that, yep. you know? Um, it gives you a ton of, like, bully power, um, which, again, territory is victory points in the game. Um, it gives you combat stars that are very easy to win. It just kind of opens up these possibilities for you. On top of giving you the star, it gives you these opportunities into at least two other stars. From, yes. Like, from just dumping seven in two combats. Yep. Yep. No, I, I, I totally agree. I, I, I find myself getting the bolster star more often than not, mm-hmm. mainly because it just is a pretty easy star to get. I, I guess the last thing that I would want to say about stars is that I try and target my last star to be on my move action. Okay. Yep. So if if I have the opportunity to place a sixth star, I want that star to be the action that I do after I move because then I am able to spread out, drop, and probably claim at that point six more territories would mm-hmm. be the optimal move. Um, and then drop a star ending the game. So yeah, that could be anywhere from 12, which if you're in the lower popularity and you gain six new territories that turn, that would be 12 points. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're in the high popularity, up to 24 more points yeah. just in one turn. And yeah. then you end it before anyone can counteract and take that territory from you. Right. Especially if you're picking up like a combat star as a part yeah. of that oh, movement, yeah. right? Um, we, we won't go into it, but I, I think it was kind of funny. We did a, a, a thought experiment at one point, and I think it was Saxony can score the most stars i think they can drop five stars in a turn or something like that yeah Yeah. (laughs) like two two combats two objectives and it it was hilarious but yeah yeah but yeah and if they get a an encounter that lets them deploy something yeah (laughs) star you know yeah 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 Um, and then they're bottom row so they can drop six they they can drop six so so hilarious but (laughs) i i don't go out of my way to make that my six star but if it works naturally Mm-hmm. then I would like my six star to be the bottom row action to my move. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I'm hearing then like targeting two or three bottom row actions, um, targeting an objective if you can, targeting 
probably one or two combats. I think that's like a fair assumption. There's such easy quick stars to pick up if you can. Yeah. Yep. So I think I think you would want to at least like plan for that and then Especially um, if you have the bolster star. If you have the bolster, the bolster star, star, yeah, you need to be getting go out. <laughs> go all out, man. <laughs> yeah. Bully people. And then yeah, the the power, the bolster star. We're calling it the power star. Is like a is it is a maybe is a can get the worker star is a can get. You know, there's going to be some that is like okay, I need to plan for two or three bottom row actions. I need to plan for one or two combats. The other ones I'm picking up through a combination of workers, objectives, power, whatever kind of fits into the strategy for the for that setup. And, and one of the things I like about Scythe is that it re- requires you to kind of think on your feet. Um, so th- mm-hmm. there are a lot of tactical decisions throughout the game of Scythe. And, and I think a lot of that comes into, at some point, you're probably going to m- want to make your way to the factory. Mm-hmm. Um, so King of the Hill in the center of the board is the factory space. And if your character makes it there and ends their turn on the factory, then they get to choose from these special actions, which gives you a fifth action, mm-hmm. which a lot of the times can get you coins, can get you popularity, or mm-hmm. can do any of those four bottom row actions. Yeah. And depending on when you get there in the game, like for Rush Vet, I probably, I don't know if I'm saying that right. So, <laughs> but for like the it's red like, faction. Yeah, it's R U S V I E T. So I don't know if it's so like Rush Vet. Rush Vet. <laughs> yeah. Or Rush Vet. Rush For the Red Faction. Uh, <laughs> um, like they can get there in three, four turns, right? Right. Like if you're going to do that, then you're going to build your strategy around what factory card you pick, to pick up. Yeah. Because if you're able to pick up a factory card that is allowing you to build structures, then you don't have to worry about that entire building structures and paying wood you can ignore wood for the rest of the game yeah and so that that is one of the caveats that i would put into all of this math is that depending on the factory cards that are in the game and what you get to pick it may be worth to just ignore it and go for that yeah and i I think this is a good place to go let's talk about factory actions for a second i think in new player games, it feels like you have to get a factory action. And I would say that that is not true. You don't have okay, to get yeah, a no, factory action. I don't action. think you do. Yeah. Um, it's just like when you're taught the game, you're like, oh, I got to go there. I got to find myself a factory action. They're definitely like, fun. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. <laughs> um, and they can be like guiding to a strategy. Yes. Um, but you don't need them. The other thing that we didn't, we haven't already mentioned that is a, an enormous benefit is just the access to a second move action. Yes. Is a huge, huge benefit. And that benefit is really felt later in the game right so the text on the card is going to be most strongly felt in like the early to mid game the like just the fact that it is a second move you will find yourself taking it just to take another move action in the mid to late game um and the actual like effect of the card is becoming less important right the reason that the move is so important is that the i find that the majority of my points in a game come from the number of territories I am on. Mm-hmm. So that is not the highest scoring tier. So you get or one more point for each star that you have. Right. But you're limited to six. Right. Whereas territories, you can have 15. That would right. be insane. I don't actually know. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you can have more than six territories. Right. But see, so you have eight workers, four mechs, and a dude. Oh, and four structures. <laughs> four structures, and you can take the factory for plus two. Or, That's right. Yeah, so yeah. you can have a lot. You can. <laughs> yeah, if nobody's stopping you, you can but, have a lot. Yeah, and so that kind of ties it back into why I want to move, because the majority of your points are going to be coming from how many territories you own at the end of the game right? based on your based on the popularity. So, like, I was talking about the game that I played last I've had double the amount of stars, but I lost because I did not have enough territory. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so it's 
not necessarily intuitive for a new player to spread out uh-huh. because it's not worth as much as stars. Right. So it's like you can win the game by not focusing on getting six stars but spreading out more, which mm-hmm. is why having that factory action, which gives you a second move, mm-hmm. is so valuable. For sure. Okay, so I think that's a good time then to kind of take us into the actions now that we're already kind of talking about okay. the factory yeah, yeah. actions, right? So do you want to talk about top actions or bottom actions first? We've already been talking about some of the bottom actions, so let's do that, and then we'll, we'll okay. move into the top actions. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, so just looking at the bottom actions, all things are equal. Which ones would you prefer to target to get a star? Uh, mechs. Yep. Mechs and a list are my top two. Okay. So mechs are just good because they unlock abilities. They get, they're able to spread your workers, and then you can attack with them. Yeah. So. They're, so they're giving get... you access to additional stars outside of the... Yep. Yeah. And there, there are mechs that are going to be better than others, right? So if you're going to play one of the core sets, speed is fantastic. Yeah. Plus one move allows you to spread out because you can drop your workers along the way mm-hmm. and just capture more territory. Uh, Enlist is really good, mainly early game. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you're, if, if Enlist is your last star, you're not benefiting from enlist as much as you should yeah because enlist allows you to get a special bonus based on other bottom row actions that you or your neighbors take right and that that's a huge part so if you're upgrading now every time you upgrade you get to bolster or anytime the person sitting to your right or to your left upgrades you get to bolster as well Mm -hmm. so that that's just like a that's just a really good consistent bonus that that you're able to get yeah you also get like kind of you know, two money, two hearts, or or, or, or whatever, whenever you enlist. Mm-hmm. Um, I typically try and go enlist first if I have access to food on my peninsula. Yeah. Uh, just because I want to try and optimize and get the enlist before anybody, any of my neighbors can take a bottom row action. For sure. For sure. And you're, I think you're specifically targeting their, um, the mech one because it is giving you one coin per mech. And so if you're assuming that, again, like we said, mech is a very strong bottom row action, a very strong star to get. Many players are going to max that out. Um, so if you get that before any yourself or any of your neighbors deploy, that's potentially up to 12 coins. Which is over 10% of your score. Yeah, 10, over 10% of your score. Plus like the two coins from just the single the yes. one-time bonus. Yep. I think the bolster one can be very strong, like we said earlier, to get you to the bolster star. And um, I think it's really strong because there are six upgrades. Yes. Right. There there are four of all the other bottom row actions to get you a star. Yeah. Upgrade takes you six. And so just right there, that could be eighteen, which is the star is the star. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So exactly. Like that that's that's pretty big. Yeah, that, that can be a lot. Um the build one to get like a heart is kind of situational, right? It, it's it, good, but I hardly find myself building. Right. So. <laughs> so if you can if you notice that a neighbor is building and you can get four free popularity, six if you count the one-time bonus, like that's that's a great benefit. You know, that's a that's a tier by itself. I mean, that's huge. But if you, you know, if nobody's going to do it, maybe it's just it's the one that you do last or something like that. So, enlist of the four is my favorite. Um, I feel like if okay, you're yeah. getting the enlist star early because you have access to early food and everything, yes. I feel like it's playing the game on easy mode, to be honest. Yeah, like, yeah. you're getting all these coins for free. You're getting this popularity for free. You're getting bolster power for free. It's like, I, everything's just coming to me. You know? yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just sit here <laughs> right. and, and I get all of these things, all of these resources that I need. The popularity alone is enough to take me into the next tier. That's an enormous amount of victory points. The power plus the cards are going to bring me into the you know the bolster star plus combat stars like I, I have access to a ton of extra stars um plus again something like 10 you know 8 to 12 or 
you know, even 10 to 14 just free victory points. Yep. Like, I, I, I find that that is incredibly <laughs> action efficient for just four yes. actions to get all of those things. Yeah, I, I think that the, the enlist action is definitely top tier. Yeah, for sure. Right. I, I think that it's, it's the best if it's your first star, but as the game goes on, if you don't have the enlist star, Mm-hmm. then you're probably going to want to target mechs. Yeah. That sure. that probably, it, you know, it's a, it's a cross. There, mm-hmm. There's a point in the game where it crosses, and you just have to read the board state and understand that. Yeah. and But like we said, I, I would definitely agree that both of those are a strong two stars to target, especially like early in your game, and depending on what your setup is, those are, those are natural ones to pursue. Yeah. The other thing that I would say about enlisting is if you are ever questioning which one you should go with, uh-huh. I look and see because resources in Scythe are common knowledge that are out on the board. So I look yep. and see what my neighbors, what resources they have. And I will then, um, even the resources that. they're on, you know, like where their workers are. Yeah. Where they're, re- if I see that they're about to upgrade and I'm choosing between the upgrade or the build, I'll go ahead and take the upgrade knowing that probably they're going to upgrade next turn. Right. So, so yes. that that's just a tiebreaker in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can benefit from one extra one just by seeing what the board state is, go for that. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so the next two stars then upgrade and build. So I know that this is an area where you and I differ. I would prefer to get neither of these stars. <laughs> <laughs> I would prefer to get the other two and find four other stars in the other objectives and just get neither of these stars. Yeah. Um, which is not good, by the way. I'm not playing correctly. <laughs> and you shouldn't do that. It's just this is my preference. I just don't like these stars. Yeah, these are the two weaker stars. Yeah, um, I think build is weak because only two of the factions have build as or wood as part of their starting peninsula. Yeah, and access is a big problem. Access is a big problem. Build is supplemented by getting additional victory points based on where your structures are placed, which is yeah. something that's put yeah. out at the beginning of the game. But I never find that that plays a huge role into my strategy. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like a big enough benefit. It'll get you like six, maybe nine if you yeah. did very well. But that's like you're going way out of your way to get just nine victory points. And that it's very hard. Yeah, it's really hard. It's very hard. So I, I do think that build is probably the weakest. However, some of the benefits that build give you are incredible. Mm-hmm. So if you can get the buildings out there, yeah. specifically, I think the popularity one, yeah, the monument yeah, where I think it's on your bolster action, you get a star or I'm sorry, not a star, a, a heart or popularity, yes, a popularity that that's huge. Yeah. That's huge. If you can get that out, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. It also does hold territory for you. So it can really help with like the spread. It's again, kind of situational and especially in really packed games, right? In very busy boards, it can, yep. So there's a little bit of a benefit there in two-player. However, if there's a building out there, it doesn't drop my popularity any to go and take that. It's not a combat, so I don't have to worry about losing mm-hmm. or giving up a star. Right. If I'm moving, I'm moving to that building right. if it's empty. Yeah. So it does hold the territory, which is nice, but it the board in Scythe is pretty small. Yeah. And so if you're not there with maybe a worker or something, it's probably going to get taken or defended yeah. somehow. Yeah. So do you drop them in your peninsula? I don't build. <laughs> <laughs> I plead the fifth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and we were kind of talking about this earlier. The the two are um, Polania and Nordic have access to wood, Yeah, which are like the blue and the white faction. Mm-hmm. Nordic, I don't enjoy playing Nordic. Mm-hmm. Polania, I, I enjoy playing them more. I think you like them a lot. I like Polania a lot. Um, They're the ones that give 
when they do an encounter, they can take yeah. two of the Which is benefits. just a, awesome. Yeah, it's just really fun. It's just fun. So I enjoy playing them. They're not my top tier faction to play. Yeah. And so typically the other five factions that I would like to play, building is just not one of my top tier things to do. I always hate drawing the player mat that has, you know, three coins on the build. I think you may have. Do you have that handy? Yeah, if you want the actual name, it's uh, engineering has yeah, engineering has one. Um, the only like kind of nice thing about it is that it has like bolster on its build action, so you can like uncover the monument or whatever, yeah. you know, and get like a, a handful of. Uh, I guess you would, but you even then you'd only get like the three popularity off of it. The the other nice thing though is again, build is the action that will give you popularity. So if you can enlist a single time to uncover your own build, yep, you know you can start to get a bit of an engine of like just to popularity every time i do this action and maybe i just need to do it more <laughs> right um it's also one where you can start to consider like okay do i want to take this action after i have all four out right right something we haven't talked about yet but you can do that you can um you can let's say i have all four structures built i can still take that action pay the wood just to get like pay the resources just to get the three coins and the popularity and maybe you know maybe that makes sense for me to do that one once or twice but yeah um but i, I agree with you that it is, it is a it is a tough one to build a strategy around yep. building is yep and then i think we move into the most controversial of the bottom row actions which <sighs> is upgrade Christ i <laughs> i love upgrade i think that upgrade is a beneficial and wonderful bottom row action to take i think that everyone should take it I'm... i i absolutely agree with you so far <laughs> so the the weakness where we differ <laughs> where, where we differ is do you go for the star with upgrade right the problem with upgrade is that it takes four a or it takes six actions to get the upgrade star where every other bottom row action only takes four yeah so that is an issue it's 50 percent longer to get that star yeah however i do think when, that you... in a 20 turn game it's 10 percent of your turns yes are yeah. now attacks to get a star yes and so you have to look at it and kind of understand what top row action it's paid or it's paired with yep that's true upgrade is not the first star that i'm looking to get i do think that you need to upgrade three to four times at least to make everything cheaper and to upgrade your your top row actions you need to get the third move mm -hmm. you uh you probably want to get that bolster that third bolster to get you that star right there, there are just some of those that you you really need to upgrade and then it's going to make things cheaper for you on the bottom side yep. on, on your bottom row actions yeah i think the caveat with the okay so yes it makes things cheaper on the bottom i find that in scythe my actions are more limiting than my resources Okay. Yeah. And so I find that I would rather have, in, in other words, do I want to spend two turns to make a bottom row action cheaper by one resource each, right? Or would I rather just have those two actions back and produce once and get five extra resources that way? Yeah. And then just make the thing that I want to make and just pay more for it. Yep. For instance. You yeah. Know? That's, that's where you, you start to get, I think, diminishing returns as you on the on the make things cheaper part of upgrade, right? Where I'm starting to get diminishing returns and I'm starting to upgrade into things that it's like, okay, I'm first of all going to start upgrading into the star that I'm not going to get, right? The bottom row action right. that I'm not going right. to get a star for because you're only going to get, like we said, normally two or three. Um, it, I think it's very difficult to have enough time to get four stars from your bottom row actions and because it takes like 18 turns at a minimum just just to take the number of actions to get all of them right and so just making those cheaper in like the fifth and sixth is that's an investment that maybe you don't necessarily need anymore 
the other thing is, okay, I'm now making actions better that I may not actually be taking all that much, right? I might, maybe I'm making trade better, but do I really like plan to actually take the trade action, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or do I plan to take it like frequently enough for that to matter? I may upgrade bolster, but I, do I need to upgrade the power on bolster versus, and the cards on bolster? Do I need, do I need to upgrade both of those? Probably need, not. Right. Probably just one of them. Same with move, right? I always want to upgrade move, but do I really want to upgrade the coin on move, the gain? Kind of a random sidebar. I have never taken the coin action. It is almost <laughs> always better. I, I cannot. The only way that I can think that the coin would be better is if you have somehow run out of money mm-hmm. and you need that to pay for a trade action. Right. Which because you is, also don't have workers on the board. <laughs> and I think that you've already lost the game yeah. at that point. <laughs> so always move. <laughs> yeah. Always move. Um, so I think that that points to, okay, there are at least two of the six that are just a straight tax that are getting you no benefit whatsoever. Okay. I, I, I can feel you on that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that math definitely does break down. If you have the faction mate faction mat of industrial or innovative, where you get three coins for the, Mm -hmm. for the upgrade action. Right. Because then, you know, that's a lot of victory points right there. Right. Mm -hmm. That the six extra victory points, if you take the two dead quote unquote dead actions, which is probably going to be 10, five to 10% of your score. Right. And then plus the star that you just, plus the star that you have. So that, and then I think it's engineering has uh, a two coins on that. If it's a zero coin, which there are a couple, Mm -hmm. um, zeros and ones. I think there's, yeah, yeah. there's maybe one zero and two ones or something. Or something. Yeah. Probably not worth it in that point. Definitely mm-hmm. worth it to get the four, but again, it, it's kind of all reading reading your 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 player mat for sure. And all all of these come with the little asterisk of you you have to make sure that you're playing the right strategy for your player mat yeah. and faction for combination. Sure. Yeah, and again, just to reiterate, I think we both strongly agree that you should plan to upgrade bare minimum of twice. Yes, right. Yeah, probably you should shoot for three. Um, and you can usually justify a fourth. And that's coming from, okay, again, uh, on a, let's let's say I'm shooting for a production of five. Let's get back to that conversation. So I have five workers out. I'm going to produce on two territories, right? And get a two and a three. On most boards, that means that I need to have at least two upgrades so that I can upgrade something to cost two and something to cost three, right? There are boards yeah. where you, don't, you only need to upgrade once to make that happen or something like that. But on most boards, I'm probably going to plan to upgrade twice just to get my bottom row actions to the spot where they're going to pair well with my 2-3 combo go- that I have going on. Additionally, I-, I think, like you said, move is almost almost a must. Like It is an excellent upgrade yeah. to take. Bolster can help you get the star. That can make a lot of sense. The popularity in certain ones can get you a trade action back where trade gets really useless in the later game. Yep. Um, and so if you find your trade paired with something on the bottom row action that you really want to take that can be a really great upgrade because now you can take two popularity and that's a great thing to do yes production can make sense in a lot of situations you often if you know you're going to pick a bottom row action you might just be saying i just want to upgrade the top row action of whatever's on that right because i know i'm going to be taking it all the time um so point being two to three times even for upgrading is very very justified getting to that star is something you're gonna have to think about i agree with that I, I am just more apt to go out of my way to get that star than I am. Than, than, than Dalton is. So. But I think you also win more games than me. So maybe you need to take Nelson's advice over mine. I, I win more games, but I don't know if my win percentage is better. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the popularity track real quick. Okay. 
Um, so the popularity track is kind of this matrix that we were talking about earlier where there's three tiers and basically the higher you are on the popularity track, the more each one of your scoring avenues is worth. Mm -hmm. So your stars can be worth three, four or five points. Territories can be worth, uh, two, three or four resources, one, two or three. Yeah. Popularity is critical in this game. Yeah. It is so hard. If not close to impossible to win the game if you are at a lower popularity than one of your opponents. Yeah. Just because it's so cumulative, especially with the area. So if you're controlling about the same amount of area as some as one of your opponents and they're mm -hmm. in a tier higher or God forbid two tiers higher, you're losing that game. <laughs> but like if they're in a tier higher, you're probably going to lose the game. Yeah. Um, and and yeah. that was my, it's at least a significant disadvantage. Yes. Like it's a significant thing to try and overcome. Yes. And so that, like we, we were talking about the game that I played yesterday um, where I had double the amount of stars. I ended the game. I had, I think, more territory. Mm -hmm. I owned the factory and I lost because I was a tear down in popularity. Yeah. So I, I should have drugged the game out one more turn, bumped myself up into that second or into that next popularity. Right. It, Especially it, because you were controlling the end of the game I was, in that yeah. specific situation. Yes. I, I just want to caution you that if you're looking at ending the game, and you're not in the same, it doesn't matter if it's the first, second, or third tier. If you're not in the same tier as your opponent, you will, you will have a hard time winning that game. Yeah, you better be certain on yes. your math. Yes, yep, and I was not. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, the other so, thing they can sneak up on you there is like money in the bank, right? Yes. Just ha how much money people have pocketed can be, it, it's public knowledge, but it can be sneaky in how it's piled up in people's play areas, you yep. know? You're, you're so focused on your player board and yeah. the board. There's just a lot. And then you like look over and you're like, oh, shoot. Like she has 30 coins, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh oh, uh -oh. Um, so, you know, you're, you're overcoming a barrier of your, your, your Delta in coins already there. For sure. So um, the popularity track is just something that a as I play more and more, you just cannot ignore. You have to do that, which I think kind of ties into the encounter cards. Mm. Um, which, which is another thing that I wanted to talk to, which are all of these little tokens that you're going to get. And you're presented with three options. Usually one of them is going to get you two of something in a popularity. The, and one of them is going to have you lose popularity, right? You better need whatever it is giving you <laughs> on that encounter card to lose that popularity. Yeah. I think the other, the easy mistake to make there is, oh, this is giving me oil and I don't have access to oil. You know, so I, I'm going to go ahead and take that. But if you're not planning to get the star of the thing that it's giving you resources for, right, that can be, you, ha you just have to be really careful about that decision. If it's, if you're going for that star anyway, then, okay, now it's saving me some produce actions, right? It's saving me um, the workers that are there. I can either start to spread them out or move them to a different resource. Or something. Like it opens up some doors for you that can, that can be worth it. You know, I, I would think especially like um, Polania, if you're offered steel, that's a really natural like, yes, I want to put my max on the board, but I don't have steel in my starting right. peninsula. That can be a really natural one to accept. But you can back yourself into a corner real easy if you lose too much popularity, which is easy to do again with Polania <laughs> because you can take two of the, of the benefits yes. on the encounter card. Yeah, I, I always kind of think about it in the terms of trade. So like I don't mm -hmm. have access to oil, but you always have access to oil because you always have access to the trade action. Yeah, for sure. So. It's like, okay, I can get four oil for one popularity. I, I'm making up things right now, right? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if this is one. It's like, okay, is that 
one popularity worth two coins? Probably not. So again, it's the actions. The it's, actions it's, are really it helpful. It is the actions, which is really helpful. But you're you're getting the four oil, and you're or you can trade and also have access to the bottom row action of, of whatever your your um, trade right. action is on. And so losing popularity is very difficult. And also right. on the flip side, the whole gain two money one popularity is not flashy but it works it's like the honda right like <laughs> yeah. you know it's gonna run forever yeah it's a good choice yeah it's not exciting but but it works it, it works if it can get you into the next tier and also just like two money two money one popularity is a solid deal just yeah. for moving on to a new space yeah for sure <laughs> for sure and i think you will um you will do what i have done many times you will accept the pay one popularity thing or bypass the like gain two money one popularity thing um and then find yourself at the end of the game at the edge yes. of being able to step uh, yes. into the next tier right <laughs> one popularity down from being in the next yes. tier and think back to that action and realize you made the wrong choice <laughs> <laughs> yep absolutely okay so just kind of like my favorite question of any of these episodes i get i guess what is your favorite faction to play yeah let's stick with base game yeah, base game, uh, Crimea. Yeah. Absolutely. Crimea yellow. is, yeah, yellow is, in my mind, the most fun. They're the most flexible. They're the, their big thing is that they can use combat cards for resources, right? So that opens up all of these efficient engine building turns, right? Where they they can start to just accelerate their bottom row actions faster than other people. They also start with uh, my favorite combination of resources in their peninsula in that they have they have steel for deploying they have food for recruiting and then they have a a, a village for, and like i said those i would prefer to play a game where the two right. bottom row action stars are those two yes so i would <laughs> like it's like oh that's what crimea is built to do yep yeah Crim- crimea is really good yeah. it offers that flexibility which i know you love yeah uh that that's... they also have the fun like stealing cards from people yeah thing. <laughs> which is just annoying <laughs> it's just ops. horrible yeah. and then they have the mech that will allow you to move to any empty player base yeah that one's kind of funky so you can get you can just spread so quickly i, yeah. I think crimea is probably the strongest out of all seven of the factions you think so yeah um for for experienced players i, I think rush vet is probably the best if it's your first game mm-hmm. um I, I really enjoy Crimea. My my other favorite is going to be Saxony. Okay. Um, so the Black Faction. I don't think that they're great, <laughs> um, but I, I just really like their mobility, and I really like the strategy that um, of just like carrying a mech with a bunch of workers. I don't think it's a good strategy, but it's hilarious. Right. And just like hopping around on the mines, and like you cannot attack me because you're going to drop six in popularity, <laughs> but I can attack you, and it's going to be hilarious because you're going to be on a mine if I attack you, and yeah. then I get bonuses for that. So yeah. I, I also just really like their mechs. I think they're they're pretty cool mechs. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Crimea, Crimea has the uh, worst mechs. So <laughs> the tractors. Like visually. Yeah, the, the tractors. tractors. Yeah. So Yeah, very true. I also, like I said, I really like Polania. We, we've talked about them a lot tonight. They have to kind of overcome some different challenges than the other people with yep. like not starting with steel. So they either have yeah. to trade for it or they have to get an encounter and, you know, try and get steel or get a mech off of it. So they just, they have to think outside the box a little bit. And then they're also like, they're doing this like, uh, like lake teleporting thing, right? That they have. Oh yeah. Those are, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> they have going on and. Um, and then, of course, they're like they're chasing down encounters, which like other people are like, oh, those are nice to pick up. But it's like, no, this is my strategy. I'm going to yes. pick these up. I get a lot from this. I get a lot from it. So they, it just feels like they play a slightly different game and face different challenges than other factions, which is fun for me to play through. Yeah. 
All right, so that that's kind of the base game of Scythe. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about a couple of the expansions real quick. We're not going to deep dive into the analysis, but just kind of to give you an idea of what they what they are. So you got Invaders from Afar, which is obviously in a planned expansion for Scythe because the it adds two new factions which were <laughs> printed on the original board. Yeah. So <laughs> so you knew that they were coming, but it adds Albion and. Uh, Totogawa yeah as factions which are really interesting I would never give them to a new player they're pretty complex in the sense of you play a different game yeah when, when you sure. play those uh then you move into the wind gambit which I think is very fun and excellent to buy if you want to look at awesome minis yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so like they add these airships which modify and they have different rules for each game I they're interesting if you've played a lot of Scythe. Yeah. I've still played a lot of Scythe, and usually it's about a 50-50 if I include them. I, they're mediocre at best. Yeah. The best thing about the Wind Gambit is it has eight different game modes where you can play where the, the games are different. So, like, maybe it's, like, the, the game lasts X amount of rounds no matter what. Okay. Or the one that we played last night is that if, you're, if you place your sixth star... If you win, the game's over. If you lose, everyone else gets one more turn with you going last. And so it just kind of modifies the game a little bit. It modifies that strategy because uh, Vanilla Scythe can get pretty programmatic um, after a significant amount of plays. And then the last one, which I think is the strongest expansion, is the Rise of Fenris, which adds a Mm. campaign. Mm -hmm. And so you play through six different scenarios where you are upgrading your faction as you're going along, buying new kind of like special actions that you can do throughout the campaign and how you do in one affects the next. And so I, I highly recommend rise of Fenris. I think that I've really enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's a bunch of fun. (laughs) And so it's, it's one of those where you get to open boxes too, as you're going through. So it's kind of like got that feel where you get some new, Mm -hmm. but rise, rise of Fenris is a lot of fun. I would not start with rise of Fenris. I would play a couple of games of of vanilla scythe before you go into that. But Mm -hmm. If you like the campaign, if you're playing Scythe a lot, if you think that you can play six more games of Scythe, which like mm-hmm. doesn't sound like a lot, but then you look at it and it's like, yeah, it's like ten to twelve hours, ten to twelve hours, more. and then also like a lot of people when they're playing a lot of games, it's like ten games, ten games of one game is a lot. Yeah, for sure, especially like in a year, right? So you're you're looking at like. It, it is a commitment, but it's definitely worth the payoff. Yeah. And I would agree that you probably want to pick it up if you're planning to tackle Fenris. I think you want to pick it up while you are starting to get excited about Scythe. Yeah. So like after your third game of Scythe, that's a good time to pick it up. I think we had kind of picked it up and started playing it after like our, I don't know, maybe eighth or 10th game of yeah. Scythe. And that was maybe a little bit late. It's sort of like it was losing its like shine. The yeah. game was by yeah, the yeah. end of the campaign. It was like... Well, I feel like I, I want to finish it out, you know, because we started this, and um, it, it felt sort of like Pandemic Legacy in that way, right? Where it's like, okay, this is kind of a lot of Pandemic by the end of it. But like, if you are, uh, if you're just starting to get into it and getting excited about it and starting to enjoy breaking down the strategy, I think Fenris is is a really great thing to play through. Um, it also adds some things that can be implemented on Vanilla Scythe, um, just outside of the campaign to add a little bit of variety, which is nice. Yep. Yep, ab- absolutely, and we will not tell you what those are. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because I don't want to ruin them for you. Yeah, because they were fun to open. So. For sure, for sure. I just I, I mentioned that because I want you to know that um, it's not just a campaign that's totally separate from the original board game. Yeah, and 
I do like the way that they set it up where if you want to, you can go play scenario four bef- without playing scenario one, two, or three. It's kind of like Tuscany, which is from Stonemaier again, where like it was designed to kind of play as a pseudo campaign where you would add and kind of expand your vineyard and add mm-hmm. more things to do, but you can add in all the modular sets at any time. So yeah. it's basically adding in six new modular sets as well. Very cool. But yeah, so that was our breakdown of Scythe. Yeah. Um, we 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 really enjoy this game. I, I think that it's a it's a great game for two player. Mm-hmm. Um, we can knock out a game in under an hour now, which That's which great. is nice because it feels like such a big game. Um, it feels kind of epic. It feels like you're doing a lot. Yeah. And so I, I think Scythe is a is a great kind of midweight game mm-hmm. um, that anybody can enjoy. You know, more experienced gamers. Gamers that are, are kind of getting into the hobby. I think because of the way that it's set up with the thematics and the mechanics, anyone can enjoy it. So I yep. highly recommend Scythe. Hope that you win your next game. Let us know if you don't. Um, <laughs> let us know if you upgrade it all the way and got your six star. And that, that'll settle a debate here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so. Let us know if you got the you know 18 popularity star <laughs> and one. I, yes, please. We want to know. Yeah, I, I absolutely want to know. I want to talk to you. Uh, we'll have you on. Yep. So yeah, uh, thanks for listening. If, if you had any comments or questions about the episode, uh, reach out to us. We have a Discord, so you can find that if you. It's a link in our show notes. Mm-hmm. Our show notes will be on um, on in our description as well, which is going to outline kind of all of what we've been talking about in a more um, concise manner. Yeah. Um, that you can it's read in like a organized. blog. Yeah, organized blog <laughs> Easy post. to reference, yeah. Um, and, and so join our Discord or read the show notes, comment on the show notes. And then we also have an Instagram uh, that, that we post a lot of pictures to. You're going to see some Scythe pictures because I've been playing some Scythe. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, we, we love talking with you all. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, this has been a lot of fun. We've been talking about doing the Scythe episode since probably we started the podcast yeah. over a year ago. So yeah. I'm glad we it's finally always been on got the list. to do it. Yep. For sure. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. Cheers.